answering machine. Even an explosion at the facility in Albany would not cause this sort of power loss. Since its inception, NYISO had been closing loopholes in its system to the point where an almost inconceivable number of events had to occur simultaneously to cause any major degree of problems. But incredibly, those events were happening. As far as Eddie could tell, his control station was now the only thing standing against a blackout that would engulf most of eastern New York, including Long Island and the five boroughs of New York City. He raced to the phone, got the emergency number of the FBI from a chart on the wall, and began dialing. That was when he felt the point of a knife press against the back of his neck. Said the receiver, Diane Sport. A man's husky voice said it in an accent that sounded British. The knife point felt as if it were going to slice straight into Eddie's spine. But please, that hurts. What's your name, Sport? Eddie. Eddie Gostowski. Please. I'm going to lower the knife, Eddie. But unless you do exactly as I say, you're a dead man. Got that? Yes. I said, have you got that? Yes. Yes, now please. Okay, Sport. We don't have much time. You're going to turn around and look me in the eye. If you fuck with me in any way, any way at all, I'm going to slit your throat. Is that clear? Okay, now, swing around. Eddie did as he was ordered. Towering above him was a man, six foot three, maybe more, with shoulders that seemed to block out the room. He was dressed in black, watch cap, jeans, and a turtleneck, with black grease paint covering his face. His eyes were dark and cold. In his hand was a bowie knife, broad and curved at the tip, ten inches long at least. Behind the man and to his right, arms crossed, feet apart, stood a second man in identical dress and grease paint. As frightened as he was, Eddie couldn't get the notion out of his head of the disaster that would ensue should the brownout that was already in effect be allowed to progress. As if responding to his thoughts, the big man placed the tip of the bowie knife beneath Eddie's chin and lifted his face up. No arguing with me now, he said. I want you to use whatever you have here to trip this unit offline. But the huge man drew the razor-sharp blade across Eddie's gullet like a violin bow, slicing open a shallow gash from one side of his jawbone to the other. I said don't argue with me, sport. Now do as I tell you, and you won't be hurt any more. Miss with me, and you'll die in pieces, and we'll still find the trip switch to take this place offline. He pulled a handkerchief from his back pocket and passed it to Eddie to stanch the flow of blood. Shakily, Eddie crossed to the adjacent room, hesitated, and then threw the trip. Instantly, the substation went black. Moments later, a generator kicked on and the lights returned. Anything else we need to do? The big man asked the other. All four teams have reported in. No problems at all. They motioned Eddie back into the control room and down into his chair. That your emergency line, Spoot? The man asked, gesturing to a red wall phone. Yes, Eddie managed, continuing to put pressure on the gash. The handkerchief was sodden with blood. Is it monitored? Yes, but with the blackout, I'm not sure anyone is there. I'm sure this call will be recorded, though, right? I said right. R right. Okay, then. This the number? Yes. Yes, sir. Only then did Eddie realize the man was wearing latex gloves. The intruder fished out a sheet of paper from his back pocket and unfolded it. Then he dialed. Eddie could hear the taped message go on. 
At the beep, the man held up the paper and read, with some unevenness, what was typed on it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, Let there be light. Now Genesis has taken that light away. This is the beginning. Okay, sport, you've been a big help, a real big help. Thanks, Eddie said meekly. The man turned to go. Then with a sudden, vicious backhand swipe, he slashed the huge bowie knife through Eddie Gustowski's throat. Maybe I should have told him that sometimes I can't be trusted, he said. Chapter 1 Day 1, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. At the words from the Sergeant-at-Arms of the House of Representatives, the audience rose to its feet as President James Allaire entered the House chambers to thunder.